Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore and on Twitter at beersandbible p1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 48 of the Beers and Bubble podcast. I am Patrick. And I am Rick. And we are happy to be with you today. Yes, and it we're is- actually recording... On the 4th of July. This yeah. is going to come out like two weeks afterwards, but happy 4th of July. Yeah. Really late. Yeah. We're, we're sorry we didn't tell you that before. So anyway, <laughs> um, today we are going to drink beer. Because we always do that. Yeah, because we always do that. And then I guess we're just going to have a little bit of a discussion because we have we just finished uh, Concise Theology uh, with our last episode, episode number 47, and... Uh, we're not quite ready to move into the next thing yet, so. Yeah, we're going to, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's it's good to think back on something, especially, you know, we spent almost an entire year talking over concise theology and just kind of taking it slow and doing it, so it's good to kind of go back and just remember some of the things that we've done, and so I was, you know, Patrick and I were talking and said, you know, maybe we just do a review, kind of some things that really stuck out to us during this study, during this discussion, um, and then, and then we're going to, we're going to do a kind of give you a little hint of where we're going next. Mm-hmm. We do have some plans and we have some ideas. And so we're just going to give you a little, little teaser about what we're going to do next. So this may end up being a, a slightly shorter episode than, than normal. But, uh, but first things first, let's dive into our beer that we have today. Patrick, what beer do we have so today. today from the Rogue Ales Brewing Company is what I'm going to the Rogue Ales that that's the Rogue name Ales. of their their company. Yeah. Um we have the Bat Squatch Hazy IPA. Um this thing has like 6.7 is it 6.7% ABV uh 54 IBUs so I don't think you're going to like it all that much. Probably um, not. Something that Rogue has, which is really cool, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a star that's got, like, each point has different, like, flavor profiles or something, mm-hmm. or, like, what it, you should expect, I guess, of the beer, and then it's got, um, like, leveled out to, like, how close to the end of the point the flavor should be. So, according to the star, this should be a very tropical, citrusy, flavored beer. Um, which is which is funny to me because it gets fifty four IBUs, which I would say is too bitter for me. But mm-hmm. it only gets two little yeah things on their like, star. It's like two out of five on the on the star to the bitter <laughs> point. So the points on this thing are malt, tropical, citrus, pine, and bitter. So um, I uh, incidentally found this thing, and I think you did too. We but I, I found it at Walmart. 
of all places, yeah, Walmart. That's uh, we typically don't shop for beer at Walmart for the no. Road. <laughs> and I looked, I looked on their website. It, the only place around here that had it was Walmart. So um, if you're looking for it, I guess Walmart's the place to go. <laughs> so don't go to the great craft beer selection at your local uh, wine and spirits store. No, go to Walmart. And get no. It. <laughs> so, but the cans got like this demonic looking half bat, half Sasquatch thing on it. <laughs> Um, henceforth why it's called Bat Squatch. It's dedicated to the legend. I'm not sure which legend that is. I'm sure it's, um, so the, so the can's got this paragraph on it. It says, for years, rumors have circled that deep in the woods on Mount St. Helens lives the fabled Bat Squatch. While there are many tales of Bat Squatch, they are all a bit hazy on the details, which makes the truth such a juicy mystery. So what better way to honor the legend than with a hazy, juicy IPA? Perfect for camping and potentially making a new friend. I like to camp and I like to make new friends, so yeah. maybe I won't like this one. I don't know. Yeah. Where is Rogue located at? I'm looking for your... I think they're somewhere in the northwest. Newport, Oregon. Yep, Rogue Ales in Newport, Oregon. So that makes sense. Um, it's cool. Does your can have what it pairs with on there? Right on the uh, can? Let me look and see. Underneath the star? Uh, Yes, it does. White cheddar, grilled salmon, and strawberry shortcake. Yeah, so I'd, <laughs> I'd be willing to try any of that. <laughs> also, side note, do you know anyone who pronounces the L in salmon? Um, I don't. Salmon? Yeah, I, I, I work with a lady who pronounces the L in salmon, and every time she does it, I want to scream and... <laughs> Make her stop, but yeah, that's the English language for you. We put letters that don't get pronounced because, yep, exactly. So because it's Independence Day, don't yes. tell me what I can do. So I'm, dude, I'm ready to. I've, I've yes. had, I've had a busy day already, and it's not it's early afternoon. So let's crack this thing open and get started. Let's crack open the bat squatch and go to town. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. <laughs> I think we perfectly timed that. Just about. I think we did. So, this t uh, smells exactly like every other IPA we've had. It always makes me go flesh and blood. So, um, we were talking the other night before we started recording. There's this new product out that can, like, it's like a beer can soda can opener like a can like a vegetable can opener that removes the completely removes the top thing and one of the benefits is that it doesn't give you like the huge foamy head on a beer or something like that that's true they have a video of it yeah it. so i texted my wife and she was like you don't need more <laughs> drinking <Toys>. trinkets so <laughs> mine would probably say the same thing but so yeah this is definitely a hazy IPA. Yeah. It is you you can't see through this rig at all. No. Looks like orange juice. A little bit. I wonder so it and I know I've historically said I'm not a fan of this one, but it looks like Blue Moon. It does. Uh Blue Moon's not quite as not as hazy as yeah, this one is. But it's got this a similar color. Yeah, the color profile is the same as Blue Moon. So Well, Nothing better to do than to turn it up and find out what it's going to taste like. Yep. So here we go from the Rogue Ales uh, Bat Squatch. 
Let's see what happens. Bottoms up. Oh, you know what we didn't do? Yeah, I was thinking it as I was drinking it. <laughs> we didn't pre-rate. That's okay. Uh, that's all right. Um, I'll go first on this one because I I can I can nail this one down really fast. I bet I can tell you. I bet I know what you're going to rate it to. What do you think? Just based on your past history with IPAs, I think you're going to give it no better than a three and a half. Okay. You're, yep, you're close. I was going to give it a three. Okay. Uh, three out of five. Um, this is, this is to me, it's it's a regular IPA. It's not my favorite flavor. Um, the texture of this one is a little bit different, and I'm not sure about the texture of it. I don't know if it's the haziness. Um, I don't know. The flavor is okay. When when they So they're telling me it's citrusy. I don't taste a ton of citrus. I mean, I can definitely tell it's there, but it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem citrusy to me. To me, it feels like somebody who is trying to make something extra citrusy, so it's not an authentic citrus flavor. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's like, maybe it, it's it, the it tastes, citrus. it tastes like Sunny D to me. <laughs> like Sunny <laughs> Delight. That is actually a good comparison, yes. So, um... So I'm coming me. in at three. What, what you got? So... I mean, it's not bad. It's not my favorite. Um, Remember, we bought this from Walmart. Yeah, so. I was just thinking that too. So <laughs> maybe that's a lesson for us not to get beer at Walmart anymore. Um, I mean, I haven't done this in a long time, but I think I'm also going to give it three Luthers. Oh my gosh. Um, it's just just kind of a blah, blah kind of IPA. Medi- it's just mediocre it's, in every aspect. I mean... Three to three. Remember, three to four is good, not great. Um, and this is definitely closer to good than not great. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. Maybe if I had grilled salmon, I'd like it better. I don't know. It's just, I don't know that I'd like this with grilled salmon because the thing is, like, thing to me is like grilled salmon is is a little bit dry anyway, mm-hmm. and so like this beer is dry. Like my mouth is dry, and I just drank some. And and so I don't like I don't know maybe it's just the texture of it mm-hmm. maybe it's the haziness maybe I don't know what it is but this feels like a dry beer mm-hmm. to me you know it doesn't yeah. doesn't make my mouth water like some beers do yeah it's um this will not be one that I drink another one while we record no no I probably won't go back and buy this one again the dead guy was actually really good if I'm remembering yeah right. the yeah, so um, the Dead Man's Ale, you gave four Luthers. Okay. I actually gave it five Luthers. Like, that's how much I liked it. Yeah. Um, so this is actually, the pro- this is the this is the lowest I've rated a beer since Kalik. Wow. I gave Kalik three Luthers, and I've given one beer three and a half since then. <laughs> Everything else has been actually pretty good, so. Four or high. We, I tell you what, man, we've had a strong run of, of some pretty good beers here yeah. recently. I guess it, I just wasn't anticipating. I mean, this is a, it just doesn't taste like good beer. No, no. It's got a, is, so, there, there's, I always refer to this as skunkiness. And I'm not, I don't know how to define skunkiness. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like a, I don't want to say sour taste. It's not like a sour beer, but. Like, when I think like of, something is off. Something is off. 
like the flavor of it tastes like and this is gonna this is gonna be terrible it's gonna make you not want to finish the beer but it tastes like moldy socks like that's what i call skunkiness okay and and so you know like when i go back to calic and i I think i gave calic like two stars or maybe two and a half because mm-hmm. i was feeling generous that day yeah um I, I drink and like it just had that skunky flavor like it just i felt like i was putting dirty gym socks in my mouth right <laughs> and yep. so the the there's just a tad bit of skunkiness with this beer it's mm-hmm. it's it's almost like a soured flavor uh but not i mean don't think like sour as in like sour patch kids or you know the, the candy it's, like, sour. it's like sour like it's spoiled yes like exactly. sour milk Sour milk or sour towels, like if you if you let your towel sit too long and oh. it has that smell, like that smell is the skunkiness that I'm referring to. Okay. <laughs> and so and on that, I'm going to has... go pour my beer out because <laughs> I don't know if I can do it from here. No, I'm kidding. I'll finish it. I'll finish it. I'll finish the one I've got. And yeah, it's just got a little bit of that that skunkiness to it, and and I don't. I feel like this is probably not representative of rogue ales based yeah. off the remembering back to the dead guy ale mm-hmm. like that one was good it was yeah. legit good and i enjoyed it and so you know i'm it, this doesn't knock rogue ales out for me right um but it's definitely one of those i'm gonna go yeah i'm just gonna pass on that one yeah i mean every once in a while you're gonna get the breweries not as good stuff yeah in Rogue, don't, we're not saying that like you don't know what you're doing. We just don't particularly like this one. Yeah. Rick and, and Patrick are not fans of Batsquatch. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, it's got a cool name. I'll give it that. It's got a cool can. Yeah. Like, the can, like that's honestly, that's because I saw it. I was in there to buy just a little, you know, 12-pack of Yingling for the for 4th of July weekend. And, and I saw it and I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to look that up and see if it's available. And sure enough. It said they had it all the, you know, the kind of common stores that we shop at. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll send it to him. And so I bought it and I was like, since I'm already here, I don't have to go to another store to find right. something in in the craft brew section. Yeah. Thought maybe I was going to find a home run at Walmart. Nope, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> when Yingling is going to be the winner of that, of that trip. Yes. Yingling is definitely the winner of that trip. I'm going to have to have Yingling to watch this down later. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, there's Rogue Ales. Uh, that's the Bat Squatch. You got three Luthers from Rick. You got, did you go three and a half? I, gave it, I went three. I gave it three as well. Okay, three. So, you got three from Patrick, three from Rick. And uh, that's that's just where it fell, you know. We still appreciate Rogue. And now, we're going to move into our other part of the discussion. We're going to kind of review Concise Theology and possibly get on some inflammatory uh, topics coming up Welcome back to this review episode. We're going to kind of just play it off the cuff a little bit here. Uh, Patrick and I have have talked a little bit just about ways that concise theology has affected us. And and I'll say I'll say this. You know, I've studied theology for a while now, and the more you get into what's called systematic theology, 
the more it's going to make you think critically about, uh, you know, world events, things like, you know, what's going on and that kind of stuff. And so conciseology is really like a, a pocket sized systematic theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that, what a systematic theology does is it, it really just breaks down theology into topics and in real, I mean, big, long systematic theologies will spend pages and pages, chapters on on entire topic, whereas Packer has really kind of narrowed it down into one or two short pages. And, and, and I think we noted that a few times throughout the, mm-hmm. the last year of stuff. Um, but, but it's one of those things where hopefully it makes you think in a more consistent manner about your biblical worldview. How does mm-hmm. the, the doctrine of election affect the way that you view mankind? How does um, the, the humanity of people, um, how does original sin play into the way you view your neighbor? Um, and, and, and I think that's kind of a point of systematic theology is to make you think in an, in an orderly systematic way. Right. And so, so, you know, just kind of going off the cuff a little bit here, I'll throw out the question and and we'll kind of each discuss it here, but what is one thing over the last year of discussions that we've had about systematic theology? What's kind of one thing that's challenged you or made you think, or kind of maybe you, you switched your view a little bit um, but what's what's one way that, that concise theology specifically has changed the way that you think about certain topics, whatever it is? So for me, um, this is really the first in-depth study in theology and doctrine that I've ever really done. Um, over Up until we started this study, you know, my theology and doctrine had kind of been driven by either what I read in scripture or what I heard in preaching. Um, but not really much of a like understanding of why mm-hmm. I wasn't like why I was applying those in certain ways. So, um, but for me, I guess the biggest thing that I've taken away is the idea of compassion and love. Um, like speaking compassionately to your brothers, but speaking them, but speaking the truth to them, but doing it in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we, I feel like we've driven home several times over the last few weeks, but it's this whole idea that if you don't speak the truth, then you're not really showing love. But if you're speaking the truth um, without compassion, then there's, there's not merit there either. Um, it's this whole idea that there's a, a, there's a delicate balance between Mm -hmm. being truthful in what you say and how you say it, because you could, I could tell you the sky is blue, but if I'm screaming it at you with every ounce of my being and trying to force it down your throat that you believe that the sky that is so important that you believe the sky is blue, you know, even if it is you're probably not going to want to listen to anything else I have to say. Yeah. That, and that is, that's actually a great point to kind of relate to how Christians should interact in the world today. Yeah. You know, um, 
do we do we believe that we're right? Yes, we believe that we're right. Do and and here's the reality: Do we know that we're right? Yes, we know that we're right. Um, but but just because you know that you're right, that doesn't give you the license to just willy nilly throw words at people. You know, and, yeah. and I think I've mentioned this several times. Like, I had a college professor, and and he actually every time he would start class, he would say words mean things. Mm-hmm. And and as simple and as basic and as you know almost uneducated as that phrase seems, the implications of that phrase will go from your your entry level you know elementary school child all the way up to somebody who has earned a PhD from the most you know isolated, outstanding, whatever you want to call it, Ivy League school that is in the world today, the most honorable PhD you can earn. You know, the words that you say, the words that you use, all they all mean something. Yeah. And and you have to be careful about the words that you say and the words that you use. And as Christians, we not only have to be careful about the words that we say and the words that we use, but we also have to make sure that those words are being spoken or written or typed or, you know, um, and, and I'll, I'll throw Facebook in here for all the keyboard warriors um, they have to be typed from a point of love. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing. If somebody can read your comment and not think that you're speaking in a tone of love, then you probably need to delete your comment. Yeah. You know, just because your comment is true doesn't mean it's spoken in love. Mm. And so yeah. that's a, that's, I mean, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, and that's really good on how, theology should affect us yeah. you know the the apostle paul says that you know the great the three greatest things are faith hope and love and then the greatest of those three things is love mm-hmm. so your faith and your hope are, are really built on and kind of centered around the love that you have for the people who are around you and so it doesn't matter if you have the right doctrine and you believe the right things and you and you you know you can prove everything if you don't do it with love what good is it? You know, Paul says you're you're a clanging symbol. You're a, a gashing or not a gash. You're a clashing symbol. Or I, I can't from, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah, what it yeah. Is. yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean that's a that's a thought that's been in like I've had it on my mind for a couple of years. The that quote by from Warren Wearsby that says truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. Exactly. And as we're as we're studying the concise theology, it just that kept coming up throughout, you know, at different mm-hmm. points it kept coming up. Like it's important to say the truth, but make sure you're doing it in the love, yeah. um, treat people with compassion or they're not going to listen to what you have to say. So, um, that's really been the, the biggest takeaway for me personally in this whole study. So, but what about that's you? A good one. What about that's you? A good one. What, what, so what's so, your biggest takeaway? So for me and, and understand that, that I am, of the two of us, I'm the more theologically trained. I think we've said that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, none of this was necessarily new information for me. Um, but one of the things that I love uh, about this specific little study is that it's so consistent. Packer is so consistent in his theology that um, one thing that he says never really contradicts another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, and, and it kind of it builds on that that love aspect of, of if we're going to say things in love, then we also have to be consistent with the things that we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
if we're going to say that that Jesus came and died, uh, lived the life that we couldn't live because we're sinners, and he died the death that we deserve, um, you know, all of that message, and then along with all of that message, all of our life needs to line up with that that mentality. And and I think it's pretty obvious to me, at least in the world today, the reason people are casting off the church because they're casting off the church for for a numerous amount of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons is because of the hypocrisy and the inconsistency that the church has had with its message right. in the last 40 or 50 years. You know, well, I mean, you could even point to not even just the last 40 or 50 years, but different churches with different messages yeah. today at the same time. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I kind of hinted that we were going to throw out some inflammatory topics here today. And, and I'm, I'll be the first, I'll throw out an inflammatory topic. One of the reasons that, that people don't trust the church is because they claim this, this bold pro-life stance when it comes to topics like abortion, but they, they back down or they try to justify when the murder of a man named George Floyd happens. Right. You know, and and if you're going to be consistently pro-life, then you need to be consistently pro-life from cradle to grave. Right. You know, when somebody dies as a result of an, a direct injustice, we need to be inflamed about those things. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we we can't uh, pick and choose which which lives we're going to say matter. If we're going to, if we're going to say that, okay, here we go. If we're going to say a <laughs> uh, movement like Black Lives Matter, uh, I've heard this argument that a lot of a lot of people I, I love and care about deeply will say, like, well, Black Lives Matter when they're killed by a cop. So why don't they matter when they're killed by abortion? We have to be this. We, we can't say abortion babies matter, aborted babies matter more than people who have been killed by cops. Yeah. Like, like, like and, as believers, we don't, we don't have that, we don't have that luxury. Yeah, to say and, certain and lives do matter. Understand that the we're we're not endorsing here. We're not endorsing the movement of Black Lives Matters, no, the the, the company or the whatever you want to call it, the official website. Because if you go to their website and you read what they say, you know, I don't agree with what they say because I don't believe that they believe that black lives matter um you know because they're they're standing up for for rights of of things you know they they want to destroy what we call the nuclear family you know now now the nuclear family is a is a kind of more modern or maybe even postmodern term mm-hmm. but when we say nuclear family we mean mother father children directly mother father children and so um one of the things that that the actual black lives matter company movement nonprofit however you want to describe them I'm, I'm talking specifically about a group of people who have put out a statement not the overall you know hashtag black lives matter um, you're talking about the you're not talking about the phrase black lives matter you're talking about the organization the that organization that's themselves it. as black lives as matter. black lives matter yes so so from an organizational standpoint they have actually taken a stand against the nuclear family mm-hmm. well I I disagree with them on the point because I believe the nuclear family, the mother, the father, and the children are the, the base foundation of society. And when we destroy or we uh, deprive the nuclear family, then, then we have deprived and destroyed the very foundation of our society. 
Um, and, and, you know, they, they want to, they want to make the claim that, well, that foundation is built in white patriarchy. Well, I disagree with that specific statement because I can go back to the very foundations of the world, um, in Genesis chapter one and say, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. This is what I believe. Adam and Eve are paternal parents. Adam and Eve were the very first creation of God. They weren't white. They weren't black. They weren't Hispanic. They weren't. They were not a race because a race didn't exist at that time. Right. And so, so, but, but I go back to that and I also point to that as the fact that, you know, that's the foundation of the human race and the human race is all that matters. So do I affirm the phrase black lives matter? Yes, I affirm that phrase. Do I also affirm the phrase that uh, white lives matter, uh, Asian lives matter? Yes. Every single one of those phrases I observe now I'm willing to admit that there have been mistakes and there have been things that, that our history has not properly addressed when it comes to specifically black lives. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm willing to say, let's have a discussion. Let's talk about it. Let's come to a general consensus. Let's get some people together. Let's make, let's make actual progress instead of it being, Black Lives Matter versus, um, you know, who, the Confederacy. You know, you want to talk about the Confederacy or whatever. Instead of it being this kind of reactive, explosive conversation, let's have a legitimate sit down and talk and understand where each side of the argument is coming from, mm-hmm. and 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 try to try to forge a path forward from that. Right. Um, you know, and and again, just because somebody says the phrase Black Lives Matter doesn't mean they're associated with the organization Black Lives Matter, which I would contend holds to a Marxist ideology, holds to a, an ideology that is counterintuitive and, and even countercultural of the Christian worldview. Right. I, I believe that, but I also believe that somebody can use that phrase and say, no, I'm standing up for people who have been oppressed, people who have been uh, un, unduly subjected mm-hmm. to, to a, a culture that is against them. In, mm-hmm. in whatever aspect you want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to a couple of black friends who have said, you know, you don't have the same fear that I have when a cop pulls me over. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I don't because I'm not black. Mm-hmm. You know, I may have just given away too much. I'm, I'm not a black person. But what I think I think we've all figured that out by now. <laughs> yeah. I was having this conversation with my dad the last couple of days, and he said, you know, Black Lives Matter as an, as an organization, you know, they named themselves something that no one could argue. Yes. You know, they, they named themselves Black Lives Matter, and no one could come out and say, well, you know, actually, that, that, that's not a legitimate argument from from any side at all. So, yeah. you know, that was a brilliant move on their part. Now, as an organization, they are they are determined to, like you said, destroy the the family unit as we know it. They want to get rid of things like capitalism and want to want to drop like their website is pretty open about their, their goals. Um, yeah. If you don't believe us, go to their website. I'm, I'm going to tell you now, go to their website, read what we believe. There's a section called what we believe, read it mm-hmm. and, and determine for you. Don't take our word for it. Right. You know, determine for yourself what the organization believes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and really, if if this, if anything, if we could say anything, if we haven't made this clear in the previous 47 episodes of our podcast, we want to make this clear now. Do your own research. Investigate on on your own mm-hmm. what you believe, what's going on in the world. Um, figure don't, it out. Don't, don't just listen to the news and your yes. pastor and your parents and your coworkers and people of influence don't don't listen to yeah. just them and say well so and so says this or fox news says it so it's obviously true like don't do that because that's doing yourself and your yes. family a disservice yes if you repeat false information you're just as guilty as the other person who shared false information yes and so you know before you and and, and you know I'll, I'll bring something else into the conversation here let you know the conspiracies revolving around uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 that we've been talking about for the last three months, it seems like, um, you know, don't because somebody posts a video and says, oh, this is a video of Bill Gates trying to do some vaccine thing about, uh, you know, we're going to give it to the Christians and make them all uh, Satanists because of the vaccine. Don't just believe that. Don't believe it's true, because here's the reality. Videos can be created. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask any production company. Yep. You know, if you don't believe that alternate realities can be created, go watch any Avengers movie because they basically created the whole thing out of CGI. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, anybody can build anything to look like anything at any point in time. Yeah. And you, you know, can and you can take any tidbits of information or tidbits of an interviewer or whatever and piece it together to make it look like something is happening that's definitely not yes. happening now that that is not saying that bill gates is not doing something what i'm saying is go do your own research go spend your own time if you feel that passionately about it that you want to that you want to be you know the the warrior against whatever said topic go do your own research and prove it mm-hmm. don't rely on what somebody else said that somebody else said because that's how that's called secondhand information and most of the time that's classified as gossip yeah, and and as Christians, we are told to not be gossips by Scripture. Yeah, um, and so so if you want to if you want to get into primary resources and do all of that research, by all means, do it. But but don't count on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or you know let's include the whole gamut here. Don't count on those to be your factual primary sources because. In reality, the majority of what those people are doing on cable news networks is they're gossiping. Yeah. They're putting a selection of something out and saying, well, here's what this person believes. Well, that may or may not be true. Yeah. And honestly, like to take it even a step further, don't just believe what your pastor teaches or preaches. Yeah. Or if yeah. they if they're if your pastor's on Twitter, you know, don't believe everything they tweet. Do your own research. Open your Bible. If if it's a if your if your pastor ever says something, you're like I don't know about that. Open your Bible, read it for yourself. Do some do some extra digging because preachers are men just like Rick and I are men. Like like yes. they're just as susceptible to um being led astray or misunderstanding or not or not knowing yeah. um something. So just because your pastor says it doesn't mean it's a hundred percent true in if you don't, yeah. if if you're having an issue with it, then you need to 
do your own research. And and, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll go as far as to say this. If your pastor thinks his opinion is 100% true, you need to find a new pastor. <laughs> That's, you know, because I don't, I don't know a pastor in the world of all the pastors that I've met that thinks that everything that they say is perfectly infallible. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they all recognize that they're, they're most likely to mess it up too. Mm-hmm. And that's why they want people to, to say, you know, to hold them accountable and, and to say, no, pastor, I don't think what you said there was right. Yeah. Now, again, I'll go back to what we started with. There is a way to do that with love. There is a way mm-hmm. to do that with compassion. Yeah. Pastor, you said this. And then when I went to scripture, I kind of, I found this and I read this and I studied this and I researched here and I, and I really feel like you may have missed the mark at this point. Right. And if, if I any pastors that I know would respond with, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. Right. I'll make sure that I correct this. Yeah. You know, and, and so I don't, I don't know a pastor and I'm speaking for me personally. And I know a lot of pastors. I don't know a pastor that would not respond in that way. Right. And so, you know, don't be afraid to go to your pastor yeah. and say something, because here's the thing. He may come back and say, you know, I appreciate your willingness to learn. I appreciate your willingness to bring this to me. Here's where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Here's this. Here's what I was reading. And and here's the thing. You're not going to read the same thing that he's going to read. There's so much information. And the best thing that we can do as Christians is compile all the information together and make the best decision that we can yeah. make, you know, according to what Scripture says. Yeah. And even, and even then, you know. Your pastor might still stand. The pastor might still stand firm on what they what they said, yeah. and you might stand firm on what you think. And that's just one of those things where you, you just have to agree to disagree. You there, don't, you don't have to agree with your pastor all yeah. the time. But and, and if you do agree with your pastor all the time, then you probably need to be finding looking for a new <laughs> pastor anyway. Um, that's probably true. So it's it's important, and we talked about it before. It's important to have an understanding of what scripture says, but also what you believe to be true about scripture or how you interpret scripture or how you apply. Because again, scripture has one interpretation, but many applications So how you apply what scripture says to your life is going to look different Mm -hmm. and how Rick applies it to his life is going to look different than how I apply it. And, and, you know, no one is going to apply a scripture a hundred percent the same. Yeah. So, it's and, figuring, and, it, I guess it's just figuring out like which are if, like if you're dang rabbit trail if you're um if you're struggling with something your pastor says is it worth leaving your church over mm-hmm. is it worth finding a new church is it that big of a deal yeah so I don't know. yeah that's that's uh you know and and again that comes down to the the topic of it's all going to point back to are we acting in love mm-hmm you know, yeah. um, is, is it okay to disagree with your pastor? 100%. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't know a pastor alive that would say, you have to agree with me 100% about everything that I teach and everything that I say. And if you don't agree with me, then you can't be a member of this church that I'm leading and you're a heretic. You know, I don't know a pastor in the world that would say that. Um, but there are pastors who are going to say, you know what? I've researched this. I feel like my research is good. And this is what I believe, and here's the reasons I believe it. And you're going to have your research, and you're going to believe your research is good, and you're going to believe something, and it's going to be different. That is okay. Yeah. I mean, the same way that it's okay for you to disagree with your spouse. Yeah. Like, 
Typically, you don't want to, but if you do, it's not the end of the world. Yes. So, you might have to sleep on the couch for a few days, but in in the end, you're going to get through it. Yeah. So that's that's strictly speaking for guys. Women never yeah. never have to sleep on the couch. Exactly. So, <laughs> what other inflammatory thing do we want to talk about? Oh uh, man, I feel like we went all the way down the down the courts on that one. A um, bit. You know, it's it's one of the things that that concise theology kind of points me to, a, along with consistency, is the the need for Christians to understand doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I've, I think I've hinted at it several times, but if your pastor is not teaching you doctrine from the pulpit, if your pastor is not willing to dive into doctrinal things from the pulpit, have a discussion with your pastor. Say, Hey pastor, why don't, why don't you feel the need to do this? Why don't you feel like, and, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna, again, you're gonna get, you know, I don't feel like it's the place. I don't feel like it's the time, you know, we don't have the opportunity to go deep into it. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, but it's a way that, that maybe you can challenge your pastor say, Hey, as a congregation, we want to go deeper. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I believe about, about church and I believe about the way that the Lord's day should be organized is that, you know, people who are non-believers shouldn't come into our, our, uh, services and into our worship times and say, you know, I understand everything that's going on here. Mm-hmm. They should walk in and go, you know, I don't understand this. There's something different. They're talking about things that I don't understand. They're talking about things that don't make sense to me. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with them, but they make mm-hmm. me think. And and if your pastor is not pushing you in that area, not pushing your church in that area, it's a discussion worth having because doctrine is so important. And, and I think we've seen recently why doctrine is so important because if we if we cast aside doctrine if we cast aside theology from the pulpit we end up with a lightweight bunch of church members who don't know how to articulate the foundational truths of the Christian faith yeah and you're you're exactly right <laughs> i mean and and i feel like that's why when life gets hard because inevitably life will get hard you have so many people who are members of a church or who go to church and they're even somewhat active but when stuff starts getting hard they bail on jesus yeah a, a lot a lot of times or you know you have families who the kids go off to college and because they don't have a strong foundation with jesus when you know when things start challenging them they don't know how to respond they don't know how yeah. to they don't know how yeah. to defend their faith because youth group was nothing more than pizza parties and and rock shows, mm-hmm. you know. I, I say that kind of flippantly, but but when when your youth group meetings, when your youth group times are nothing more than let's play some games and let's you know very very let's, superficially yeah, let, let's sing, let's play some games, sing some songs, barely scratch the surface of scripture, yeah, and then. You know, you divide into groups and talk about how how bad of a Christian you were the past week. Just, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's how a lot of my youth group experience <laughs> was. Um, so there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of deep diving. There wasn't a lot of why are we doing what we're doing. Um, yeah. There was accountability in that time with your group on Wednesday nights, but there wasn't, you know, 
I don't recall there being checking in during the week. Like, hey, man, how yeah. are things going? Hey, yeah. how can I pray for you? Um, or, or even more so, when you actually leave that the safety of that space and you get into uh, a college class and the, and the first thing that a professor does is list out all of the reasons that the Bible is not true. Mm-hmm. And, and there's freshmen, you know, Johnny sitting in this class who's been in the youth group his whole life. And he's like, I've never heard any of this my whole life. Yeah. You know, I've never understood that people challenge by the Bible. I've never understood that people actually disagree with the Christian worldview. You know, we, we've created a bubble and then the kids step outside that bubble and we're surprised when they abandon the faith because somebody challenges them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because these kids don't have a founding, they don't have a grounding in scripture that says, no, you can challenge me and I'm going to respond to you every time. We don't right. teach kids on that level anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, I think we've, we've hit on it a couple of times. It's this idea that, you know, if the church doesn't teach them, then the parents, you know, the parents expect the church to teach them. The church is not is to be supplemental to the parents. So yeah, there's this expectation that the you know, the church has in general that the parents are doing what they're supposed to be doing at home when they're not, and the parents are <laughs> taking their kids to church, hoping the church will teach their kids how to how to be better Christians or how to defend their faith or be found strongly rooted in their faith. Mm-hmm. And when that doesn't work, the parents don't know what to do. And then they, when Susie goes off to college and renounces Jesus, the parents are left like, well, what happened? Why'd the church fail? Yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily the church that failed. The church might have done everything they were supposed to be doing as a supplemental source. Yeah. Versus, you know, the parents not doing what they're supposed to be doing as a primary. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, it is more important for the, parents to be raising their kids to follow Jesus than it is to rely on the church to do it. Exactly. And, and I've, I mean, I've always, I've always kind of heard this little quip, but there's a whole lot of assuming going on and you know what happens when somebody assumes, you know, and, and when you get to that point, the parents are looking at the church going, why did you fail me? And the church is looking at the parents going, we didn't fail anything. You didn't do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, we assumed you were teaching your kid and you assumed we were teaching your kid. And now we both look like, there you go. Yeah. You know? Um, and so the, the, the main responsibility needs to fall to the parents Yeah. and the parents, parents, you are responsible to teach your kids. You know, if you go back to Deuteronomy, it doesn't say, you know, parents, Take your children to church every Wednesday night so that the so that the church can educate them on the ways of God. No. Parents, you are responsible. You are to train up your child in the ways of the Lord. You are the one who is supposed to be doing this. And here's the reality. If you don't know doctrine, you're not going to be able to teach your kids doctrine. Exactly. And so so that's where the challenge is to learn doctrine and theology. Is because you are supposed to be the one who is teaching your children how to continue in this doctrinal belief. And, you know, if you don't know where to start as a parent, start with things like creeds and confessions, because these are ways, these are simple, short ways that you can talk about the gospel with your children. You can say, here's what we believe. Here's why we believe it. The majority of these creeds and confessions come with scripture verses that you can refer to. Um, 
and and if you aren't willing to what 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 we would call is is and something that I do is called catechize your children. You know, when when you talk about catechisms or something like that, you're talking about questions and answers that are that are designed to engage your children in a specific topic. Um, you know, realistically, what schools do from first through twelfth grade is they catechize your children in the ways of education. Well, parents, it's your job to catechize your children in the ways of doctrine and theology. Mm-hmm. It's not the church's job to do that. It's your job. The church is there to help you, and the church is there to, to give you guidance and answer questions for you, but they are not there to do that for you. Right. And so it's important to do that because if you don't do that, then your children are going to end up like Johnny or like Susie, and they're going to be standing in front of a professor with a Ph.D. who has all the authority of a Ph.D., and looking at your child and saying, you're stupid for believing in God, and your child's gonna not going to know what to say back to that professor. Yeah. So prepare your kids in the way they should go. <laughs> Proverbs 22.6, if anybody was wondering. Yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's and, and, and honestly, I, I really do believe that the majority of what we talked about in concise theology comes down to those two things that we've mentioned. Uh, it comes down to love, and it comes down to knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Um, you know, how are we to engage? All of these things will come down to, and they'll answer these questions for us. How are we to engage in an, in a discussion about Black Lives Matter or the death of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or you know all of these things that have happened over the last few months? Mm-hmm. How are we to engage in that? Well, we're supposed to know what we believe, doctrine. We're supposed to know how to convey that message with love. And and that's what a systematic theology is designed to teach you. Yep. So. So, so know a systematic theology. <laughs> and, and it doesn't take, and again, it doesn't take a degree from a seminary or a college to get this information mm-hmm. you can pick up a book you can read it yourself um you know if you have questions ask somebody ask your pastor i guarantee you he has books that he can point you to yep you know uh, but do your own research understand it for yourself realize where you're coming from so that you can defend your position you know we've mentioned first peter three fifteen. We know the hope that is within us, and we're prepared to give a defense. We're prepared to give an apologia, a reasoned defense. Um, it's the basis of the word apologetics. It doesn't mean to apologize, but in, in reality, an apology is a reasoned defense of why you did what you did or why you said what you said. Mm-hmm. And if those things are not grounded in love and they're not grounded in compassion, then you're going to have a hard time defending it. Anything else you want to add? No, I think I think we've covered it pretty pretty clearly there. That's yep. a good that's a good word, and I think that pretty clearly wraps up um, concise theology. So we've uh, we've hashed that out, and we will move on to the next so next time. We're gonna do that next time. So here's here's what Patrick and I have discussed uh, going forward into into kind of way, the way we're gonna keep this podcast going. Um, Something that we we've continually asked is is what questions do you have? What what things do you want to understand? Um, we've had a couple of folks. We have our, our good friend Benny, who's a friend of the podcast. We've nicknamed him Benny, um, who's given us questions and he's given us ideas and 
And one of the things, so, so one of the things that we want to talk about is what are your questions about God and about the Bible? Mm -hmm. And so we're just going to, uh, we're going to use kind of, uh, a, a foundational book It's called 77 FAQs about God and the Bible. And we're going to discuss, we're not going to discuss them in order. We're just going to kind of pick a few here and there and, and talk about them. Not necessarily about whether we, we're not going to be moving through a book like we did with concise theology, but it's just going to be an open discussion about, mm -hmm. you know, is uh, questions like, is God a racist? Is God, uh, does God endorse genocide? You know, and, and these, there's these kind of big overarching questions that look at a lot of scripture and they look at a lot of different things. And so we're going to just pick and choose, uh, and, and things that, that we have, have really talked about really things that have kind of come to the surface about, uh, in our discussion with concise theology and, and we're going to talk about them. It's going to be an open discussion and mm -hmm. we may have guests on every now and then. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of talking back and forth to a couple of folks and may have some guests on to have these discussions with us. Yeah. Um, how do we approach, how do we approach these topics? How do we, uh, how do we get a broader perspective on these topics? Mm -hmm. How do we understand them as a whole? Yeah. And, and the questions that we're going to be asking are just going to be, I guess some of the like highlights of, of the, of the 77 FAQs book. And just kind of, we're like, like, uh, Rick said, we're not going to, uh, necessarily review the discussion in the book. We might touch on a couple of points in each on those questions, but really just kind of, you know, how do we interpret the question right? and how, how, what is our answer to those questions and how do we mm -hmm. come to those? How do we come to that answer? So, um, it'll be a good time. And, and I think that's going to be a good opportunity for us to kind of expand a little bit on on what yeah. we've continued to talk about yeah yeah and and we may do every question in the book we may not do every question in the book we're just going to kind of pick and choose we'll know which questions we've done um and and we're just going to kind of let this be open for a little bit as far as you know it's not going to be a systematic thing each week like it has been mm -hmm. um but it's going to be more of an open discussion for the next little little bit, yeah. and and so we'll just we'll kind of run it until we feel like it's run its course, and uh, and then we'll move on to the next thing that we're going to do, which we'll figure out what that is later. <laughs> yep, because that's how we but do things. That's how we do things. But until then, Patrick, how would people get in touch with us should they have a question? So if you have a question you'd like for us to discuss, or a beer you'd like to, for us to review. You can find us on Instagram. We are at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter. We are there at beers and Bible P1. You can uh, find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast and look for our logo. And then you can also email us at um, beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and uh, hear your questions and discuss them on the podcast now that we've moved out of concise theology um if you have any questions about god or the bible or theology or um doctrine or church or whatever it is we'd love to hear from you and um and discuss those here on the podcast yes we would so until next week we want your beer to be cold we want your discussion to be rich and theological and until then have a great week. See ya. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, 
please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.